a good girl Loves her mama Loves Jesus In America too She's a good girl She's crazy about Elvis Loves horses And her boyfriend too It's a long day Living in Reseda There's a freeway Running through the yard And I'm a bad boy Cause I don't even miss her I'm a bad boy For breaking her heart
Hello again. Hello. This is Hannah Smith of Friends, aka Roadside Shaman on Instagram. I have a few minutes. <clears throat> I don't know how much of a conversation we're going to have today. Um, I'm in a pretty uh, internal space the past couple days because I got uh, sucker punched by a pretty radical bout of gastroparesis and if you're not sure what that is you can google it <laughs> you can learn about it on wikipedia I don't really feel like talking about it very much right now I just uh, my gut was messed up on fire not working right so I've just been working on healing I somehow managed in the few moments that day when I wasn't doubled over in agony or, you know, making bizarre vagal toning sounds in my parents' yard or in the bathtub. When I wasn't in one of those states, I did manage to record some lovely family moments between uh, my aunt and my mom and, um, you know, just the family living room moments, you know, the reason why we still gather so we can hear the stories that we can't hear otherwise or don't make space in our daily life for. That's why we gather so that we can tell each other stories. And so, um, I did manage to capture a few lovely little stories. Um, and some moments of singing, my mom and my aunt singing together, which I just, I mean, I'm so glad I pushed record just for that, you know, I really, I love their voices and I love hearing them sing together, so. And since this particular auntie lives in Georgia now, and her other sister, their other sister, my other auntie lives in Texas, um, we don't get to see them as often as we did when they were living in Hemet and San Jacinto. So, anyways, I'm, uh, if you can't tell, I'm rather depleted energetically. You can probably hear the weight around my throat chakra. Um, I'm still working through this uh, gut issue, you know, hey, holiday season, gathering too much social stress, too much socialization, too much eating, period, like just too much eating in general, um, not enough fasting, and <clears throat> the foods that I was eating were not the foods that I typically consume and so just it, it was cumulative over several days but then the uh, boy the the um the day after Thanksgiving was pretty rough for me that Friday what they call it Black Friday when everybody goes shopping for bullshit ridiculous nonsense ugh just no I makes the whole thing makes me cranky Capitalism makes me cranky. 
So yeah, my gut was a wreck that day and has continued to be uh, requiring great intentional care and rest, recuperation. I've had a loving interaction with my hot water bottle the past two days. Um, and yes, for those keeping track of the castor oil packs, this is number... Uh, 12 I just completed, right? I should write them on my little, like, um, tea light casings. I think that that was number 12. How many more do I have left up here? That'll tell me, because 22 from whatever's left. What do I have? I've got... One, two, three. Only two stocks left already? Wow. I guess I don't have that many left. I only have eight left, you guys. So, eight from 22. Don't make me do math this early in the morning. Is that 14? I must have lost count somewhere or used an extra candle or... I don't know. It so doesn't matter. Numbers are... Numbers are numbers. Numbers confuse me sometimes. I just get caught up in their emotional meaning to me and get distracted and then I lose count. <laughs> uh, well, either way... I'll tell you what else I did. I refreshed the whole uh, um, support material and I added more oil. I replaced the plastic liner thingy. I replaced the little towel wrap thingy. Um, you know, like my promise to myself to keep my self-care going. I kept moving even when I was in distress. I kept my medicine flowing and my vision of my wellness even while I was doubled over in extreme agony and distress. I mean, I knew immediately what was happening because I was just sitting on there on the couch and I could feel this distress, tension, whatever, kind of slowly gathering in my gut. Like it was just sort of building slowly. Right. But the moment I went to go and stand up, it just shot like a laser beam through my whole gut, like that enervated fire sensation. Just, I was like, oh, I'm just going to sit down again for another 20 minutes. <laughs> like this is not happening. So, uh, yeah. Gastroparesis is not fun. It's like being a colicky baby that you're grown up and people expect you to act normal and not like wail your head off like a colicky baby because you feel like a colicky baby and you just want to wail your head off. So that's why I've learned how to do bagel toning. Uh, thankfully, uh, I guess my distress and need to bagel tone and inability to produce English was timed perfectly for Juliet's needs because she was up at the Lake Shrine in L.A., doing ceremony up there and then she started having seizures and shit like 
fucking whatever. I don't even know what was going on with her, but she was rolling through some waves of whatever. And she, like, tried uh, texting me or calling me or something, and, like, I literally couldn't make English. Like, I called her. Like, I don't know if I called her back or she called me back again or whatever, but somehow we got on the phone at the same time. And I'm literally just bent over, and I'm just going... And such and such and so forth and so on for like minutes, you know, and I'm like in my parents' backyard standing on a gravel path, uh, and just doubled over, just folded in half, literally just agony. So, you know, the timing worked out, I guess, because she needed to hear the vagal toning. Uh, I guess it helped her balance out her auditory field or whatever helped her be in, feel you know helped her feel uh, in a state of spiritual support and union helped her feel balanced but I mean either way whatever the point is I was clearly in a state of physical distress yesterday was a day of complete rest and recuperation I thought about trying to do some sort of a recording but it just uh, it wasn't necessary I needed a Sabbath hey it was Saturday I needed a Sabbath <coughs> and uh, that's okay and that's okay and that's way more than okay it's perfect it's what was called for it's what happened so it was supposed to be that way so, um, that being said, this recording today is going to have to be kind of short. I need to, um, go over to my folks. I have, um, I have an altar over there, um, and we, we talked about it, I think, um, well, I don't know, because I don't know what I've uploaded, there's a couple of recordings I made while I was over there, but I haven't uploaded them, because I haven't figured out how to smush them together, and I don't, I didn't want to bug Mark again with technical difficulties, because I figure, like, I should have already figured this shit out by now, but if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. So, I just, uh, at any rate, the point is, there's an altar over there that I need to go and clean up. Re-package uh, and bring back home to my temple. And, um, there's a possibility I may do some ceremonial work while I'm there, just depending on how people are feeling and how much time I have and even whether or not there's other people over there because the thing is my mom said that I needed to make sure that it was cleared out um, before they got back from church but I don't know what time they're going to church and I don't know what time they'll be back 
So I'm just thinking if I go over there, you know, pretty early in the morning, either way I should be, it should give me some time, but oh my gosh, you guys are just listening to me ramble about my plans for the day. Is this interesting? <clears throat> I guess it helps you to understand how much energy I spend pre-planning my possible interactions and socializations with people in my life. I'm always, you know, thinking about like, am I going to be appropriate? Am I going to be in the way? Am I going to be a burden? Am I going to be annoying? You know, am I going to be butting in or unwelcome? Basically, that's the thing. That's the feeling I'm always kind of like hyper vigilant about is I don't like feeling unwelcome. And so I always just am checking to make sure that the timing is good and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, oh my gosh, can you guys hear this like heavy weight in my throat? It's just, <sighs> I think maybe I need another sip of coffee. Oh, that's the one thing I was going to say. The whole reason why I was like, oh, you should go record right now is because what I wanted to say, oh my gosh, sunbeam on my coffee cup. I love that. It makes my eyes so happy when that little teeniest, tiniest little sparkle reflection of a sunbeam shines off the lip of my coffee cup and right into my eye. It's like, I don't know, it just feels very friendly and intimate, like a kiss on your forehead from your grandma. You know? I love a little sunbeam like that. <laughs> Makes me not want to move my cup, but I'm gonna. I gotta have a sip. Mm. That's what I wanted to say is, have you ever, like, gone a few days without having maple syrup and, like, forgotten how exactly delicious it is to put in your coffee? And then all of a sudden you pour your coffee and you accidentally put a little bit too much maple syrup in your coffee. And then you take a sip of it and it's so hot, but it's like too sweet. And you're like, oh, it's so delicious. And you like forget, like you had forgotten how good maple syrup tastes. But then all of a sudden you remember and you're like, this is why humans started like collecting this sap out of trees. Because you remember that flavor. You're like, Maple syrup is just, it's a thing. And plus, the best part is if you do accidentally oversweeten your cup, then you just take like two or three big, huge gulps standing by the coffee pot, and then you just add more coffee in, and then it's like immediately fixed. Plus, you get more coffee. So these are life hacks that I've learned over the years. I share them freely with you. I give from my cup of abundance. <gasps> oh, and the other thing that I wanted to say is not really something that I want to say, it's something that I want to ask, which is that, like, hey, all y'all in the Open Lines Radio network of um, listenership, and that means contributors or audience or anyone, literally anyone who can hear this question right now, I'm throwing this out into the cosmos, Please, can someone talk to me about the difference between Vedic and Western and Sidereal and 13 sign 
uh, astrology, you know, like, I get that they are different systems. Can somebody, like, argue a case for why we would choose one or the other? Is there a cultural element at play? Is it appropriative for a white person to use Vedic astrology? Is it uh, appropriative for a white person to use Mayan astrology? Um, like, what is our system? Because I, I don't really, I mean, I don't feel like a Gemini, to be honest. I never have. I align very much with these character archetypes. I'm mad that we don't have 13 and I was happy when they added in Ophiuchus, but I feel like people don't really honor that and haven't moved the dates to accommodate it. And so I don't like that whole thing of like the 13th sign, like, what is it? I do believe in 13 moons. I just feel like what about the rest of the constellations and the big cosmic shifts and movements that we go through? It's just like, I don't know, somebody like, give me some sort of framework here because for me, they're just psychological archetypes like Enneagram or Myers-Briggs. It like helps us sort our personalities so that we can sort our mirrors, so that we can sort ourselves, so that we can integrate all of our multiplicity of selves into our consciousness of one, which is how we construct an appropriate ego that we can then purge and release and find unity consciousness. So like I figure however you build your mirrors, it's fine and okay and does a good job as long as it makes sense to you. If like, it's like if you're familiar with the stories of Ganesh and Shiva and Shakti and, you know, and you're familiar with the, you know, um, monkey versus rat versus dragon versus horse, you know, of Chinese astrology. If you're familiar with the archetypes of Mayan astrology, like Quetzalcoatl and Kuak and all of the other sacred names, I have such a bastard of a time pronouncing like are all of those archetypes working are they explaining how things are in your system like for me I I just started with the sun and the moon and like that's keeping me busy <laughs> like I I looked at the sun and the moon and I barely now just started noticing things like Venus and Mars after like three years straight of really intentional well more than that I've been really starting to pay attention to the moon before that but the sun for sure I mean Abba Benili literally knocked on my door and dragged my ass outside and said hey you better fucking bow down I'm out here you better get out here and bow down like it was quite direct and so I did you know my relationship with Sintalo with La Luna has been more internal I think it's more of a personification of self and and Abba Benili is personification of other you know it's like the lover beloved dynamic in Song of Solomon it just it's that eternal 
chasing, seeking, running, finding, meeting, eclipsing relationship between the sun and the moon. It's just the self and other, and it's the reflection that we have. And these other selves, these other bodies that we bear witness to, that we start noticing, I don't know what the impacts are, but there's these cultural frameworks based off of the identities that we have. But even if you look in different systems, there are some systems that think the moon is masculine and some that the moon is feminine. Some systems think the sun is feminine and the, the earth is masculine. Some think that the earth is feminine and the sun is masculine. And so like these celestial bodies have cultural natures and archetypes that I believe were probably uh, rendered based off of where they grew up in in that locality. In other words, the reason why I have lunar sigils, the reason why I've brought up the, naming the moon for the chaparral is because for our locality, these moon names have significance for us on the human path. There's something that we're to attend to in ourself in, in those namings. And so if I extrapolate that out to these other celestial bodies, then these storied archetypes have a cultural framework based off of geography. So in other words, the same, you know, celestial positions on the Southern hemisphere or the Northern hemisphere or the equator or the Western half of the globe versus the Eastern half of the globe, as if, as if there were halves or quarters or ups or downs, because in the void of space, there isn't really any directionality per se. There's just toward and away. There's the thing we're falling towards and the thing that we are departing away from, you know, like that's literally all that we have as far as directionality. So when you feel that sort of chaotic free fall through you know, the void of the uncreated into the new territory of the unmet. Buoys are helpful, you know, but if we can't all agree on what north is or which direction is down it's really hard to make formation. I learned that as a child reading Ender's Game. The enemy's gate is down. You fall towards your target. That's the easiest and simplest and most direct uh, uh, attentional focus. You, you fall towards your target. The enemy's gate is down. Fall towards your target. But uh, on this little globe we have, we all got different enemies, apparently. We all got different gates. We all have different north, different south. I mean, at this point, humans are arguing again about whether or not the earth is flat or round. And then, like, the super nerds are like, um, it's actually kind of roughly egg-shaped. It just looks sort of round in pictures because of the water and the centrifugal forces of the blah, 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 blah. Shut up, nerd. No one cares. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> That's what I hear inside my own head. Like, I hear my own nerd spouting out the info dump facts and, like, my inner critic slash social filter slash, you know, jock is going, Shut up, Hannah. No one cares. Stop talking about it. <sighs> info dump. It happens. At least I try not to perseverate anymore. The point is, there's all these different systems, and people argue about which one is, quote, more accurate. And I just, I, it's like feet and yards. It's like, you know, kilograms and pounds. It's like, you know... Do you weigh your flour or do you use a measuring cup? Well, if you're baking in your own kitchen, you'll probably be fine either way. If you have to use someone else's tools and measures, you might, you know, fuck shit up. So I don't know what to do with this whole, like, multiplicities of systems. Because it's not like I grew up being instructed in the cultural archetypes of Western astrology... I mean, I knew a little bit about the Greek myth characters because when I when I was growing up, I personally had a little like a, an interest in mythology and I would and so like I had a book of like world myths, but it wasn't focused on my interest in mythology wasn't focused on any one system. I was reading Norse mythology and um, indigenous mythology around the globe, like different, um, like ancient, uh, quote, civilizations, cultures, whatever you want to call it, tales from around the globe, from before written history, you know, oral history, mythology, apocrypha. I've always had an interest in apocrypha because, I mean, otherwise you just end up with, the militaristic, masculine, you know, fact-based version of humanity. And I feel like human, human story and human evolution and human development is a lot more nuanced than that. So, I don't know. I just look around at all the different versions of the human story that we have and I see how they're all similar, you know? The, the creation stories that involve that involve you know beings of mud you know crawling out of the mud coming from mud being built of mud and clay the, these are stories in lots and lots of cultures around the world and I grew up hearing you know God taking you know dust of the earth and making Adam you know and now I'm reading the stories of my Chickasaw history and I'm hearing about crayfish. Crayfish, this lowly little silt creature. And like I've been communing with Sintalo who stirs the silt and it's always been this serpentine being in my mind, this sky serpent that they talk about, Sinti, Sintalo. And... Now I'm like, now I'm like, why don't I know about crayfish? Why don't I know the sacred name of crayfish? You know, that's the most humble being, but it's the one that built the earth. It's the one that 
you know, actually brought the silt up from the bottom of the water and shaped the earth. And yet, all I know is crayfish. I haven't learned the Chickasaw word for crayfish yet. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm gonna learn it, but it's hard because the words are not... They're hard to find. They're they're not in a, a list. I need to get like a couple of dictionaries because the, the online resources are honestly um, not user-friendly at this point. And all the Rosetta Stone stuff is teaching me conversational language, which is great. But if there's like specific vocabulary that I want to look up, that's what I'm having a hard time doing. Like Gloria, my sister, asked me months ago to find the word for silver in Chickasaw. And I keep looking and I, I can't, I haven't been able to find it. You know, Homa means red. Wakna means yellow. Toby means white. Those are the ones I can remember right now. And then, like, it's weird because yellow, like, orange is like something Lakna, Flossy Lakna, or something. It's like, it's like something yellow. It's like, it takes the word for yellow and it adds an, a, a modifier on it. So, and oak tamale, hi, blue is oak tamale and so is green. Green is oak tamale. And in Choctaw, oak tamale is gray. So, yeah. But I still don't know how to say crayfish, dang it. Oh, well. Yakoke is thank you. Yakoke? Yakoke? Yakoke is thank you. Chihololi is I love you. I'm learning words here and there. They'll all crystallize soon, and maybe I'll be able to actually string a few sentences together. I mean, this is what I can say. I can say chukma means hello. I can say sahol chifawat Hannah, which means my name is Hannah. I can say chikashasha saya, which means I am Chickasaw. I can say chikasha poya, which means we are Chickasaw. I can say, um... What else can I say? I don't know. I can say probably that this is a good day. I can say Okachukmasi, which means beautiful water. So I'm learning Chickasaw. I'm learning as much as I can, as quick as I can, so I can teach my son as much as I can. And he could take his time. Because he's got <laughs> more time. He's got more laps, I'm presuming, than I do. But we all have one breath. And with this breath, I'm learning more and more. I'm focusing on that. But I'm really curious about the other systems. So if anyone wants to teach me about the cultural framework for their astrological guidance their sorting systems I would be really fascinated 
to hear that, to hear their perspective. Because for me, it's all just about the energy. It's all about the intuitive guidance and the stories that are told when we listen to them, you know? So, anyways, but I need to wrap this up because I have to get over to my folks and tidy up. And, yeah, I think that this was a really good, quick, short step back into transmitting. And I'm grateful for this platform and this conversation that keeps expanding. So I'll send um, blessings to you all, wherever you're journeying and wherever you're hearing this. And I will say Chokma Chipisalacho means hello. I will see you as the Chickasaw have no word for goodbye.